Hey, Malachi here, pastor and founder of Life's Word Ministry. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that what you hear will encourage, enlighten, and enrich your life. You know, it's our endeavor to share a word with you that will help you to live hope and change, to draw you closer to our Heavenly Father, as well as strengthen your walk with Christ, using the Word of God as our foundation. I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing our podcast with others. And now, here's today's message. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is Life's Word Podcast. I'm your host, Malachi Mitchell. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's show. This is season five, episode 87. I want to thank those of you that are watching and listening on Facebook. And thank you again to YouTube for tuning in and sharing the podcast and liking the podcast, subscribing to the show on YouTube. Thank you so very much. We are now in 25, I believe, 30 countries right now because of you. And I say thank you so very much. I couldn't have done it by myself, but you have shared the podcast and it has spread to different countries And our number one country, our biggest fan base is the Philippines. Now, that might be because of my mother-in-law, because she's definitely a warrior. She likes sharing the word of God, and she loves her son-in-law, and she shares the podcast with uh, the ministry over there in the Philippines. So thank you so very much, Mama Obert. Appreciate you. Love you so very much. Now, with that being said... This week's podcast is a very interesting one, one that I came up with the title just by watching TV. You know, it's an interesting, the thoughts that come to my mind when I'm watching certain programs, excuse me, my wife and I, we were watching on Netflix and we enjoy the many series that come on with the knights and like King Arthur, the story of Constantinople and all of those different shows like that. We we love it. Anything to do with knights and armor and Vikings, we love that kind of stuff. But this particular show we were we were watching, the knights were getting ready to do battle with a Muslim uh, king, the uprising, because they wanted to come in and take over the castle, you know, Christian or against the, as they say, pagans, the Muslims. And I think it was, who was it? Lancelot or one of the other knights would say before they left out, God wills it. (laughs) And then all the knights would yell, God wills it. (laughs) And then when you look over in the Muslim camp, the leader would say something and then look over at all of the knights lined up about destroying them, God wills it. <laughs> and then everybody, you know, their th- hundreds of thousands of bodies would say, God wills it. <laughs> and it's funny because, well, it's not funny because when you really think about it, there are some people that actually think Killing others is God's will, and they're doing God's will by killing, as they say, infidels and 
pagans and Christians. And that's not God's will. Let me say that again. That is not God's will. God does not will for any man to go and take another man's life in his name and then proclaim that it's his will. That's not true. So that's what we're going to be discussing in this week's podcast. God wills it. You know, if you want to know the perfect will of God and where the perfect will of God is, I'm going to tell you exactly where you can find that in the Bible, at least one good scripture that you can find. And that's over in Romans 12 and 2. In our last podcast, I talked about how to discover God's will for your life, or it was entitled, How Do I Discover God's Will for My Life? And I think it's befitting that we continue in that vein, talking about discovering God's will and what God's will is for your life and how God's will should direct your life. Because as a believer, it's important for us to know just like in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this present world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, by the renewing of your mind, your attitude, your way of thinking, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. That's God's will. It's perfect. It's well-pleasing. So when I think about the perfect will of God, I think about Romans 12 too. Because in this, it's important to notice that turning one's back on the world, and I had stated again last episode, the world, when I say the world, people say, what are you talking about the world? You're out in sin, in a worldly aspect of it, sinful world, sinful nature. You're out in the world. And when you come from among those that are sinful still, and God has changed your heart, changed your mind, changed your attitude, you've accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, you're now out of that world, come out from among them. Well, that's basically what has happened. And having one's mind renewed by God, because he's the only one that can renew our mind, this enables us to discern and experience God's will for us. And it's a will, or I might even say a purpose or a plan, which is good. A plan, a purpose, the will of God, which is a delight to us. And it's, all, and it's also a delight to him. Isn't that amazing? It's a will that has no flaws. It's a will that has no missing pieces. You can buy something from the store, open it up, and it comes with missing pieces. 
And it's a wheel that is complete. There's nothing incomplete about God's will. That's why it's important for us as believers to understand what God's will is, to do God's will. In any capacity of life, we should be directed by the will of God because he's everywhere, right? He's all-knowing, right? God is omnipotent. That's the word that's always a tongue twister. He's omniscient. There it is. He's omniscient. (laughs) Say that five times. And he knows what he will accomplish in us. He knows what we will do. And he knows what we would do. He already knows. My wife often asks me if he already knows what we're going to do, then why would he allow it? That's a good question. And I tell her, yeah, I might have a master's in theology and in leadership, but there are some questions that even I grapple with. There's some questions that I have trouble and understanding, and this is why I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah, you need to be a lifelong learner in the Word of God. So when these type of questions come up, you can at least have a pretty good, halfway good answer for them, because he already knows what you're going to do. He already knows what we won't do, but he still allows certain things to happen in our lives. And you know, we're going to we're going to touch on some of that later on. But being that he knows what we will do in any given circumstance, our life is already planned out. What we're going to do, what we will do, what we won't do, all of that. And he knows our sinful nature. He knows if we're going to buckle He knows if we're going to stand strong. God's plan and purpose for each and every believer is for our good. Hear me on this. It's for our good and it's for his glory. So when certain things happen in your life, it's for your good and it's for God's glory. Certain things happen to bring attention to his glory, to bring him glory, to bring attention to him not us. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? Then all things will work together for your good to those who are called according to his purpose. It's not your purpose. It's not your purpose. It's God's purpose. Everything we do has a purpose, and it's for his glory. This includes all of the suffering and tragedy that comes in our life. And I I don't even have to dwell on this because we all know there's a lot of suffering in our lives. We deal with a lot of pain. We deal with a lot of We deal with a lot of disappointment. We deal with a lot of hurt. We deal with struggles. That's a part of being human. That's because of the sin that's in the world. We're going to always have 
pain. We're going to always have disappointments. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. I talked about briefly on another show called the Thought Candy. Good friends of mine, Earl Williams and Sean Slaughter had me on the show and we were talking about uh, the different mass shootings. And I had said that it's sad, but we're going to always have mass shootings. People ask why we have mass shootings. Why would they do this? What was their mindset? They try to find out the psyche of the person and what was going through their mind. And was it a hate crime? Was it, you know, there's so many different facets, but it all boils down to one word, one thing, and that's sin. And as long as we are on this planet, I had said that we're going to continue to have devastation. We're going to continue to have pain. We're going to continue to have mass shootings until Jesus comes back. It's biblical. All that's happening in the world right now has been prophesied thousands of years ago, and it's coming to pass. All you have to do is just read your Bible. Paul noted in Corinthians... He says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. He said, a messenger of Satan to buffer me, lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing. I pleaded with the Lord three times, he said, that it might depart from me. Three different times Paul pleaded with God, please take this away from me. How often do we pray and ask God to take certain things from us? God, please take this person away from me. <laughs> God, please move this out of my way. God, please help me with this situation. And you know what? Paul the response was from God, the same response that we get. God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, Wanda. My grace is sufficient for you, Sonia. My grace is sufficient for you, Christine. My grace is sufficient for you, Martha. My grace is sufficient for you, Sean, Steve. Paul, whatever your name is, God is saying, regardless of what you're dealing with right now, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So if you're weak, his strength is made perfect. You want to know what that's found? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, and 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. That's where you can find that. Now, Having said that, there is a perfect will, but let us not conclude that there is an imperfect will of God in fear we may miss his perfect will and be forever doomed to live out a life of misery and failure and frustration. His perfect will takes into account our ignorance. His perfect will takes into account our weaknesses. 
His perfect will takes into account our sins and even the sins of others against us. Oh, that's a big one right there. You mean his will is perfect? When other people are doing me wrong? Yes, it is. What does Genesis 50 and 20 tell us? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Why? In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So what people do to you now, how they're treating you now, doing you wrong, disappointing you, hurting your feelings, turning their backs on you, giving you hell, as they say. The devil, you tell the devil in his face, you know what? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So that way, what I'm dealing with, someone else can learn, can be delivered from what I'm dealing with right now. I used to ask, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why did I have to go through the things that I had to go through? And God had to sit me down and tell me it was not just for you to suffer, but you went through for a purpose. And that purpose was to share your story with someone else that may be going through the exact same thing. And there's a lot of other things that he dealt with me on that. But in short, I went through to be able to share my story, my pain, my setbacks, my heartaches, my bad relationships with other Christians to let them know that, yes, it hurts. Yes, it was painful. I spent many a night crying myself to sleep, asking why. Take it away from me, Lord. Take it away. Take it away. But I endured. I held on to God's unchanging hand. I stayed faithful to his word. I stayed faithful to him because I wanted God to do something greater in my life. And if that meant for me to go through the valley then God go with me through the valley. So now the stories I tell, the, the testimonies that I share is to help someone else. What do they say? Uh, people are overcome by the, your testimony. You know that? People are overcome by your testimony. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a problem that they've dealt with and God has brought them out. Share that. People say, I don't have a lot to say. You don't need a lot to say. Just share your experience with someone else that's going through. The Bible speaks of the will of God in several different ways. And it's important for us to understand the differences. And we're going to talk about the differences and how they help us in understanding God's will. So I'm going to share with you briefly and give you five to six differences or different ways to understand God's will. But I'll probably only talk about five of them.
So let me give you briefly five different ways that the Bible speaks of God's will. Write these down, if you will. Number one, the decree will of God. The decreed will of God. Number two, the perspective will of God. The perspective will of God. Number three, the preferential will of God. The preferential will of God. Number four, the permissive will of God. The permissive will of God. Number five is the directive will of God. The directive will of God. And number six, the discerned will of God. So I'll probably talk about five of these. The first one, the decreed will of God is his eternal foreordained plan and purpose. That's what that is. And his eternal foreordained plan and purpose will not change and cannot be prevented. It includes our salvation. Paul says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That was Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. And also his choice and calling of Israel. In Romans 11, 1 and 2, and verse 29, says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. They cannot be changed. God's covenant, his purposes, his promises, are a part of his decree. And he will not and cannot change his mind about these things. Moses reminded God and was about the only one I know that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with God. Moses said in verse 12 of Exodus 32, now he was telling God, turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Now this is Moses talking to God. And in the next verse, he told God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I've spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. He was reminding God because God was done. People were sinful. He's like, you know what? I'm done. But Moses reminded God of his promise. Sidebar. Can we have a sidebar? 
this is one of those head scratching moments because if we look at the 14th verse of Exodus 32, we might say God did change his mind because it says he relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. What does relent mean? Something to think about. Well, in looking at this closely, I would have to respectfully disagree and say that he didn't change his mind. The text says that God, quote unquote, changed his mind about destroying Israel and making a new nation of Moses. Moses' whole argument is that God made a covenant and he cannot change his mind because he is God. Now, God's changing his mind about destroying Israel is really his not changing his mind about saving this nation and bringing them into the land in fulfillment of his covenant with Abraham. There is so much deep thought there. We cannot talk about it all today. Let me give you the second one. The perspective will of God. The perspective will of God is expressed in the form of principles and precepts given to men. The command cannot, here, here's the thing. The command not to murder lets us know it is God's will for us not to murder others. That's why I said early on when people say God wills it to murder someone, that's not true. The command not to steal makes it clear that God's will for us is not to steal. So if I say I have discerned that it is God's will for me to rob banks and to kill all those that get in my way, <laughs> we can confidently say that that is not God's will. His written word is the expression of his will. Now, in the same sense, many people are seeking God's will when it is already obvious. Watch this. You don't have to pray about living with your boyfriend. And you don't have to pray about living with your girlfriend. God has already spoken in his word. <laughs> Does Hebrews 13 and 4 help you? Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. He already spoke to you about that issue. So you don't have to pray whether it's right or wrong. I made a statement not too long ago saying that do you actually think God would bring a person in your life to play house, to set up house, to sleep with, and you're not married? Is that God's will? That's not God's will. So 
that shouldn't be a debate whether God has allowed that situation to happen. He may have allowed that person to come along for you to see that it wasn't from him. Oh, my God. You don't have to pray about anything that is obviously sinful because he has already spoken it in his word. And if there is any doubt, then let's read. Or here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. This will surely clear it all up for you. We're not going to read it now, but you write that down and read it later. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. That will help you. Let's go on to the third one. The preferential will of God. The preferential will of God has to do with what gives God pleasure. Are you listening? Did you hear me? Throw your hands up and let me know that you, you hear me on this one. All right, good enough. These are things that give God pleasure. And what does not give God pleasure? We know that God loves to show mercy because he's long-suffering, right? And yet, he will execute judgment. Listen, what Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Oh my God, they were going to be cursed for generations. There are generational curses that has happened because of past sins. It is on this basis that Moses appeals to God to forgive Israel. Many times he pleaded with God. He pleaded with God in Numbers 14, 17, and through 19. He pleads, I pray according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven these people from Egypt until even until now. God... We need people pleading for us. God, please. You said in your word. I like to remind God in his word like Moses. It's not disrespectful because I want God. Not that I have to remind him. We don't have to remind God. But we can go to God and request and Submit our prayer request to him. God, you said in your word, and I'm holding you to it. But you know what the flip side of that is? I have to be obedient. You have to be obedient in what God's word tells us. A lot of things we're praying for, it's already written in God's word, so we don't need to pray for it. We just need to obey his word. Not only Moses, but others prayed that God would show mercy. Nehemiah 9. Nehemiah prayed God's mercy. Daniel 9. Daniel prayed mercy. God takes pleasure in the salvation of sinners. He really does. That's why it says that over the, the angels rejoice over one soul that repentists. He does not take pleasure in pouring out his eternal wrath on sinners. He doesn't. Matthew 
18 and 14 says, even so it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. No one. God doesn't want anyone to perish. However, things happen. Let me give you three scriptures that you can read later on that is in reference to this. First Timothy 2, 3 through 4. 2 Peter 3.9, Ezekiel 18.32, and Ezekiel 33 and 11. When we come to things that are not clearly prescribed as sin, or things that are commanded, our desire as a child of God, as a believer, should be to do which pleases God. That should not be hard. If it pleases God, then I'm going to do it. If it does not please God, then I'm not going to do it. Common sense, right? But I also understand that some sense is not common. Romans 12 and 1. Believe we read this in our last podcast. I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies, your living vessel, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Colossians 10, or I'm sorry, Colossians 1, 10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see how important it is for us to get into the word to understand what his will is for our life. Now this God wills, 2 Corinthians 5. And nine, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Whether you see me or you don't see me, you should be living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Whether the man of God or the woman of God is around watching you or not, you should still live your life in a way that is pleasing to God, not to man. Because if you please God, you'll please man. Ephesians 5 and 10. Finding out what is acceptable to God. Find out what is acceptable to God. Before you even do anything, ask yourself, is this something that is acceptable to God? Hmm. Let's finish this up. The fourth one, the permissive will of God. What is that? The permissive will of God is what God allows. This Now, we were talking about what God allows. Well, that's a permissive will. Within God's sovereign will, he chooses to permit many things to happen that he takes no pleasure in. 
Pay close attention to what I'm saying, y'all. God's allowance of certain things, even sinful things, that indirectly accomplish his will is often called God's permissive will. So when things are happening around you that seem to be sinful, this is a part of God's permissive will. Even if it is sin, God allowed Joseph, for instance, even, even though it was sin, in Joseph's case, Joseph's brothers betrayed him and deceived their father so that he might bring the Israelites, here's the backstory, even though they were few in number now, to Egypt, where God would spare their lives and they would greatly multiply according to the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember what I read in, in uh, Genesis 50, 20? Joseph can say the same thing. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He told his brothers that. And his brothers were like, oh, we're sorry. We, we, you were just doing what God allowed for us to be able to be here today. I went through what I went through so that I can save my family and my family's generation. God allows man to reject the gospel, to willfully disobey his laws, to persecute the righteous, and so on. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I need to say that again. God allows man to reject the gospel, to willfully disobey his laws to persecute the righteous. But in all of this, God is still in control and his purposes are being accomplished. His decretive will, that's what I call that, often allows or permits his permissive will. And what happens here? It allows men or it permits men to violate his preferential will, what gives him pleasure, and violates his prescriptive will, which is his word, in all of getting man to do what his will is. God's permissive will is never outside of his descriptive will. God permits those things which will lead to the accomplishment of his descriptive will, his eternal foreordained plan and purpose, which will not change and cannot be prevented. Remember when I stated that early on in the podcast? We can all agree at least I hope we can, that in the beginning, God created a perfect world. And it was a part of his perfect plan. Deuteronomy 34, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says he is the rock. His work is perfect. 
for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. That's why it is so wonderful to recognize what God's will is. God also created spiritual beings and humans with a will and the ability to make decisions. He's given us a free will. It was good. It was so good <laughs> what he created that when he saw it, he said everything he made was indeed very good. Genesis 1, 31. He said it was all good. But as God's moral creations exercise their free will, we know what happened. As they exercised, as we exercise our free will, we choose to be disobedient. They chose to be disobedient. And sin entered the world as a result of it. God's perfect world did not include death. It did not include suffering. It did not include disease. It did not include murder. It did not include pain. And it did not include any other consequences of sin, yet God allowed these things as a part of his permissive will. Because God is omniscient, he knows everything that has occurred and all that will occur until the end of time. Here's another scripture I want you to read later on is Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Read that. Because God is sovereign. He must at least permit all events and happenings. God does not make mistakes. There's no confusion in God. He intentionally made humans with the ability to make decisions because he placed the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, even though he knew Adam and Eve would choose to sin. You ask, why would he do that if he knew? Within God's sovereign will, he chooses to permit many things to happen that he takes no pleasure in. The fall of man is one of those things that God permitted. But look what happened. As a result of man falling the first time, the Adam, first Adam, the second Adam I call Jesus came along and redeemed man. Because he, the fifth one, the directive will of God, the directive will of God, that's his personal guidance in our lives. And it does not violate any of the wheels in our previous 
wills. <laughs> Did you understand that? It doesn't violate any of the other wills of God that I've discussed early on. There are times when God wants us at a certain place. Would you agree? Doing a certain thing. The Bible most often will not provide us with this direct and personal revelation of his will. Okay, let's go deeper into this. I can think of God's directive will being revealed in the, I would say, the, the Macedonians call. And if you don't know the Macedonian Macedonians <laughs> law call, whoo, that's a tongue twister too. You can read that in Acts 16, 6 through 10. Read what that is, because we really don't have time to go into this right now. I can see it in the direct guidance of Philip in Acts 8, 26, where God told Philip, arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And we know what happened. He met the, the eunuch there and the eunuch was converted. And I can see it also in the story of in Acts 10, when Cornelius the centurion in Syria, Caesarea actually, sent for him. And we know the story there where Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman uh, guard, Roman soldiers that were saved. He was filled. <laughs> it's amazing how God allows certain things to happen. And he had to show Peter in a dream. You had to show him in a dream just because they are not of your class, just because they're not of your group. Don't consider them an outcast. Don't consider them unclean. If you don't know the story, you need to go back and you need to read Acts 10 so you'll understand God does guide us personally and directly. That's why I gave you these to read later. Read that. But it seems that this is not as common as some would like. This seems to be required at certain points of our life when specific guidance is needed. Timothy told them in 1 Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Many of you have gifts. You have talents. Don't neglect those gifts and those talents because they're from God. Use them for his glory. God does not force us to carry out his commands, his perspective will. Rather, in his permissive will, God allows us to make decisions, even sinful decisions that are not God's best for our lives. Now, at the same time, not following God's perspective will comes with consequences. It comes with consequences. In 1 Samuel 8, the Israelites demanded Samuel give them a king. Give us a king. Give us a king. And what happened? They got a king, and then when you read the story, look what happened to them. This was not God's will for them, and he warned them that their decision would bring negative consequences. 1 Samuel 8, 19 and 20, 
says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. They didn't want to hear the man of God. No, they said, we want a king over us. We want a natural man over us. We don't want the spirit of God in a man telling us what to do. No, we want a king. Then we will be like all other nations. It wasn't God's plan for them to be like all other nations. It's not God's plan for you to be like anyone else. It's not God's plan for you to act like anyone else. Be who you are. Be yourself. Be the creative being that God created you to be to make an effect in the world. They said, then we will be like other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. So God, in his permissive will, allowed them to have what they demanded. He gave them a king like other nations. <sighs> that was really baffling to me. Be careful what you ask for, because in the end, you just might get what you ask for. We experience God's permissive will every day. God allows us to make decisions. What we eat, how we spend our time, where we work, whom we marry, and so many other things he allows. Some of our choices will have lifelong consequences. Some of the things that I did years ago, I started realizing from certain things that was happening to my life presently is as a result of the decisions that I made years ago. But some of those decisions, some of those consequences won't be lifelong. Some choices other people make affect us negatively. And sometimes unpleasant circumstances come our way. We should remember that whatever is happening is a part of God's permissive will. God is still on the throne. He has not lost control, even though we see what's going on in the world right now. God is not unaware of what's happening. He knows what's happening. He's allowing certain things to happen to bring our attention back to him. If we would get back to praying fervently, seeking God, do you not know a lot of the stuff that's happening would stop? But it's because we have become weak. We have become soft. And we're not praying as we ought to. And I'm talking about fervently praying to God and asking and seeking and requesting and declaring and decreeing things in the spirit realm. So much could change as a result of us coming together and praying. In God's permissive will, evil is allowed a certain amount of freedom. Did you catch that? In God's permissive will, Evil is allowed a certain amount of freedom, but that freedom is curtailed. For example, Satan was allowed to torment Job. Now, we know the story of Job, but God placed strict limits 
on how far Satan could go. Go on over there, read Job 1 and 2. Find out what he had. Find out his faithfulness. Find out about his family. And then find out how Satan was allowed to take everything from him, to strip everything. However, God limited Satan's power on what he can do to Job's life. God will limit what Satan can do to you and your life. God will limit what he can do in your family. God put limitations on Satan's power. He cannot do anything unless God permits it. God's will, God's permissive will, evil is allowed to function, but God's perfect plan triumphs over that every single time. For example, God allowed the kidnapping and enslavement of Joseph. God had the power to intervene in every mistreatment of Joseph. But here's the key. Facebook, YouTube, God permitted the evil and in that limited sense is he sovereignly wield. Let me say it again. He sovereignly wield it to happen. It's important to note that God's permissive will never counteracts his sovereign will or his overarching plan. God allowed the sins of Joseph brothers in order to bring about a greater good. Are you hearing the message in this, the revelation in this? But as for them, they meant it for evil against you. But God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people's lives. When Jesus was arrested, he told his enemies, this is your hour and the power of darkness. So in other words, Jesus' statement suggests that evil had been granted a window of opportunity and evil men were taking full advantage of it. It was dogging Jesus out. That was a dark, dismal night for Jesus. But the end result, what was the end result? The end result was the salvation of mankind. Romans 8.28, all things work together for those who love God, who have been called according to his promise. Have you been called? Have you been called to his purpose? Who have been called according to his purpose, his promise? God only permits that which will lead to his sovereignty and his divine will shall be accomplished. God wills it.
Well, that concludes our podcast for today. I trust you were blessed and enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to tune in again right here on Life's Word Podcast.